0: Hey everyone, Becky from the Shift team here, and we're back with a new mini episode to help everyone with some quick listens to get great ideas and tools for gymnastics. (music) ACL and meniscus injuries in the impact athlete post-op rehabilitation. This week's mini podcast episode is a sneak peek of one of last year's Shift Symposium's guest lectures, ACL. Meniscus Injuries in the Impact Athlete. Presented by Lenny Macrina, Director of Physical Therapy and Co-Founder, Champion Physical Therapy and Performance in Boston.
1: Thanks everyone for having me. My name is Lenny Macrina and I am a physical therapist in Waltham, Massachusetts and work alongside with Dave Tilley, uh, the founder and uh, CEO of shift movement science i'm so excited to be here to talk with you guys about acl and meniscus injuries in the impact athlete so we'll talk about a little the background on acl and meniscus injuries and the post-op rehabilitation i have no conflicts of interest to declare uh, by doing this talk so as we know acl injuries are very common um, in the orthopedic and sports medicine world it's been documented in numerous uh, publications that happens hundreds of thousands of times annually so when you have it done to yourself you think it's one in a million you think no it doesn't happen to anybody else and it's absolutely untrue it does happen to a lot of kids unfortunately uh, the 13 to you know 20 year old is commonly what we see in our facility so um, it's often a non-contact deceleration and twisting injury which shocking enough is how it'll happen in a gymnast right Hopefully a gymnast is not being tackled when he or she is doing some kind of a tumble routine or something. So it's a non-contact injury probably nearly 100% of the time, right, when it comes to a gymnast. So that's what we oftentimes see as well in the uh, regular population of the non-gymnastics population. So as you can see in this video, this incidental little landing is just incidental. You barely see anything. And that's a torn ACL, unfortunately. It's not always this huge blowout and dramatic video that we oftentimes see on ESPN or on social media. It is this incidental little landing that gone, has gone bad. And for some reason, uh, the environment in her body didn't interact well. And she tore the ligament. And now a year of her life will be taken up, rehabbing that knee, unfortunately. So again it uh it it, it's a there's so many different factors that lead to what can cause an acl tear right so uh, weather conditions hopefully not an issue in our gymnast but in outdoor facilities yeah definitely Um, there's genetically potentially something that's leading to a smaller intercondylar notch or a slope of the tibia Um, and then also hip uh, strength strength of the quads and hamstrings and core and hip muscles as well and so we also think there's a potential genetic influence if our parents have had it. So that they pass this predisposition on to the athlete. So uh, again, so many different factors. But we know if they do tear it, they have a pretty high increased risk of re-tearing it. And that's why our rehab is that much more important. And again, when they tear their ACL, it's not just an isolated injury. As, you've, as you can see in this slide, uh, probably about 50 to 60% of the, of the athletes that tear their ACL will have another injury as well. Involving their meniscus and so uh, at, at the age of 13 and as they age from the age of 13 the increased risk of tearing the meniscus goes up significantly as they get older. I'm guessing because they're stronger and they're producing more force throughout that knee and so more force means more tissue damage would be my running uh, theory but again you also have bone bruises that occur nearly 100 percent of the acls that were documented in these studies had a bone bruise so again keep that in mind when you're rehabbing your acl patients as well Is that that bruise what's the implications long term for that bone bruise that's going to lead to you know current swelling uh chronic swelling and the potential for uh, you know oa or knee arthritis down the road is what our running theory is so again Bone bruises are very common, and then what are the implications down the road? You know, 10 years out, they're going to have some cartilage loss along the lateral femoral condyle, as you can see, at 50 times increased risk. Patellofemoral issues, 30 times increased risk of cartilage loss in the uh, patellofemoral joint, and 19 times increased risk in the medial femoral condyle. So, again, bone bruises have implications down the road. We need to respect them because we know they're, more, they're commonly occurring in our ACL patients. So again, we talked about the long-term implications um, of, of ACL injuries. Uh, so again, we got to keep that in mind. We got to uh, avoid help avoid the probable OA that's going to occur uh, in these patients. But again, unfortunately, females are more likely implicated in these injuries, right? So there's numerous studies that show this. There's a two-times increased risk up to almost a ten-times increased risk of an ACL injury just by being a female athlete. And so that's that seems to be the 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 trend uh, unfortunately uh, in most of our sports we have many women playing sports uh, at this in this day and age and so i think that's also contributing as well as the you know the the advent of of, of, of higher level women sports whether it be wNBA and so women have goals now uh, versus 25 years ago unfortunately where there wasn't that that higher level obligation to play sports now they have that their ability to play higher level sports so they're playing through high school and college unfortunately just some predispositions of Uh, will afford them an increased risk of acl tears as you can see numerous studies have shown male female to male ratios are ungodly high and so i know it's the the kind of the the goal of us as rehab specialists especially dave and his uh shift movement science um you know business is to help improve these injury risks that occur with females especially in gymnastics so we also think that there's females have a decreased uh, amount of um of of hamstring to quad ratio so they use their quads more they're more of a quad dominant landing position potentially um some would say the valgus hips or the valgus legs because of of pelvic position i think that's is kind of a theory that's kind of run its course i don't know if it's as true but i think there's also you know there's something to it there's something to i think that's a little of everything right there's increased laxity in females There's a hormone cycle that occurs every 28 days. There's different landing mechanics that potentially occur in females. Um, You know, there's so many different things. Is it genetics? Is it it something that has to do with the tibial slope? Does it have to do with a narrow intercondylar notch? Um, There's so many different variables, but it does all add up to females having a higher risk of ACL tears um, than their male counterparts. And so female soccer players after an ACL reconstruction had a five times increased risk of a new injury than healthy control. So again, there's so many different variables that are leading to this. But understand that females, when they get hurt, it's not a good situation for them in the the short term, medium term, and in the long term. And so it's our goal, especially in gymnastics, um, to help them recover and lead a good life after an injury, right? So all this is very depressing. So let's move on. So for me, what graft to choose, I think the big one's out there. If you're dealing with an ACL injury, I'm a big patella tendon guy. I think it's pretty known on social media that I'm a patella tendon guy uh, when it comes to reconstructions. But I think the quad tendon is, is making a huge comeback from its earlier uh, research that was kind of developed in the 90s. And so I think, p- for me, patella tendon and quad tendon are going to be your best options for a gymnast. Um, it followed by maybe a, a hamstring or even a contralateral uh, patella tendon graft. I wouldn't rule that out before doing a hamstring hamstring, but hamstrings are used a lot as you can see they're very strong but they're all very strong compared to the native tissue that's in your knee so the, you really can't go wrong it's just a matter of what does the research show on retail rates and laxity uh, if you have one of these reconstructions with one of these grafts again I'm a patella tendon guy and I think it's pretty known so again you have a patella tendon hamstring tendon quad tendon and you also have an allograft which I don't even like to talk about in this population because I, I don't think it's a it's a viable option but surgeons are doing them so I want to make sure you understand that a cadaver graft could be used, I would not recommend it. The retail rate is astronomically higher when using a, a, a cadaver graft or what's called an allograft than using an autograft, which is a patella tendon, hamstring or a quad tendon. So for me, the big 3 are going to be patella tendon, hamstring and quad tendon and those are going to be my options for tears, reconstructions or even, you know, revisions of reconstructions unfortunately. So again, Patella tendon is the gold standard. Um, it, it's tried and true. Uh, it's done in high level athletes, you know, NBA, WNBA, college, professional baseball, football. It's the ligament that I think is the most widely researched, and I think it's the best option uh, in general. But again, so much research is out there to kind of go against my thoughts. Um, but again, I think patella tendon would be the, the gold standard for a gymnast and for most of our athletes between the ages of, say, 15 and 25 years old because it's just been, it's been used so much and we have so much research on it. And you get the bone patella tendon bone interface that helps with healing earlier on. You get vascularization of the patella tendon graft earlier on because you have bone healing in bone in the femur and in the tibia. So, so many different options. I'm not going to go into too much detail. Uh, with it but again a, a hamstring tendon uh, a good option a very strong option but you it's a soft tissue graft so now you're relying on soft tissue on both ends of the graft because there is no bone and bone on each end like a patella tendon to heal to the tibia and the femur and so it can it, there is a, a slight potential for increased laxity with the hamstring graft uh, and it takes longer for it to incorporate and i know when our athletes time time is uh, of the essence so we got to You know, try to get them back as safely and as quickly as possible. And some would say hamstrings can take, or most of these grafts can take two years to mature. And so I think if we can talk about maturity of the graft, I think the patella tendon graft is going to mature a little faster than a hamstring graft. So again, um, with the quad tendon graft, that's another option, uh, less pain, a smaller incision. I think it's t- a little tougher for the quads to potentially come back, um, but there's no kneeling pain, um, but you do get some um, you know, superficial pain, superficial patella pain as well, um, and it, there is no bone on each end as well. You take a quad graft, it may have bone on one end, but I think there's a, there's a kind of a shift to doing a all soft tissue graft. But it is a very robust tendon, um, and so there is, or uh, a, a robust tendon that turns into a ligament. So it is, um, you know, that does give good stability to the knee joint. But again, I'm a patella tendon guy, followed by a quad tendon guy. If you haven't uh, noticed my biases. And then allografts, I'm going to blow through this because I don't think a gymnast or a young athlete should do this. So this is my eye roll emoji. I'm moving on. Don't even consider it. Again, graft revascularization, it takes a while. You know, look at these studies. It takes, you know, you can see that's the months, the bottom line. Um, after an ACL reconstruction and maturation is at least a year, right? And we're getting our athletes back at nine months after surgery. This, this, these studies, again, a lot of them are in animals. We don't have humans that are willing to take a biopsy of their reconstructed ACL. But so we try to extrapolate to humans. But again, you can see maturation takes 12, 15, 18, 24 months to occur. Yet we're getting our athletes back. Now at nine months, it used to be six months. I've got, gotten athletes back at four months after surgery. So there is a challenge to try to educate and get our athletes back as quickly as possible. But no, we cannot overcome biology, right? Maturation still has to occur. And Maybe that's one reason why some of our ACLs tear within the first two years after an injury. You're more likely to tear ACL two years after the reconstruction. And maybe this this is one of the reasons why is the inability of full maturation to occur.
0: If you want to hear the rest of this lecture, you can access it on the SHIFT website. The 2023 SHIFT Symposium runs from Friday, June 23rd to Sunday, June 25th, where you can learn everything you need to know about gymnastics medical care, gymnastics coaching, and gymnastics strength and conditioning. So don't miss out. Head over to shiftmovementscience.com.